the Holy Gospel of our Lord, Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people who were crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to pull out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled the boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. All right. So great to be with you this morning. My name is Paul. I am the senior pastor here at One Fellowship, and we are entering in, as Drew said, a watershed moment, a watershed season for our church. As we begin this moment, could you bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts Be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is titled, Follow, and we'll be looking at Luke chapter five. But I wanna begin with this question. Have you ever been invited to share in a life-changing experience? About a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I got a phone call, it was a Friday night, from a friend here in this church, and he says, hey, Paul, do you wanna go snow skiing with me? And I said, well, tell me more. And he goes, well, I have an extra buddy pass, I can pay for your airline ticket, I can even take care of your lodging, we have a place to stay. And I said, well, okay, when would we go? He goes, Tuesday. And I said, which Tuesday? And he goes, this Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. To which I replied, no. (laughs) And uh, as I considered it, as I prayed over the situation and I processed the situation with my wife, she goes, Paul, once in a lifetime opportunity, I think you should go. And so just over a week ago, I was invited and went on a trip to Vail, Colorado. Has anyone been to Vail before? It's a stunning place. And here's what it looks like for Paul, Pastor Paul, to go to Vail and ski. Now that's me on the left. You can still make out my beard. Uh, This friend of mine on the right, his name is Ryan. I'm not sure what's in his beard or what's happening. It's chunky with ice. And we only stayed uh, for two days skiing. We went full bore, full tilt. 
We skied almost all blacks. It was exhausting. It was so exhausting. By the middle of the second day, I was doing this, right? I wasn't alone. I think my friend Chris, those are his skis or his snowboard as he's laying there too. And our friend Carl, he's like the energizer bunny. He's like, let's go, let's go. In fact, Chris shared with me about midway through this second day, he's like, I think I'm done. I think I'm gonna head home early. And I said, we only have two days. We've got to ski. You can't go. And so he stuck with me. He stuck with us. Uh, only to discover at the very end of this second day, we got up to this one lift at the very top of this mountain and someone had the idea. They pointed past the boundary markers and they said, what about hiking up to that avalanche zone and skiing down from there? And I said, you're crazy, right? And they said, no, let's do it. Once in a lifetime opportunity. And they start hiking, they take off their skis and snowboards, put them on their back, and they start hiking quarter mile, half mile up, past the tree line, past their boundary markers. I'm cramping up, pastor's cramping, falling. They don't care, they're going. Carl's a marathoner. We finally get to the top. 25, 30 mile mile an hour winds. What do I do? I lay back down and I measure the the situation, the circumstance. It was so scary that there was a group behind us that had hiked up and they said, well, where do we go? And Chris said, well, I think we go over, over that cliff there. And they said, well, how far is the cliff? He goes, we're told it's 30 to 40 feet down. They said, we're done. And they walked all the way back. They went down the mountain the way they came up. And um, I was thinking a couple things. Here was what I was thinking. Number one, Carl, guys, are you trying to kill me? Two, is my wife gonna kill me if I get hurt, right? And three, the big existential question, is this even worth it, right? Carl, he puts his skis in the snowbank. He walks over to the cliff's edge and he says, this is gonna be awesome. And you know what he says? Just follow me. It'll be amazing. And I realized something in that moment It wasn't just about an experience or about a moment. It was about a relationship. It was about me trusting in Carl with my life to lead me down a mountain or down a pass I'd never been before. So I mustered up the courage. Carl drops out, out of sight. And who goes right behind him? Me. We drop over this cliff into three to four feet of powder. We were the first tracks in this powder. It was the best skiing of my life. Carl said, just follow me. It's gonna be amazing. And you know what? It was amazing. I think that gets to the heart of our passage, the heart of what Jesus is saying to his disciples in Luke chapter five, the heart of what Jesus is saying to us as a church family today and in the days ahead. The big idea from Luke five, verse one through 11 is this. As a church family, we are being invited into a life-changing experience through a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Let me repeat that. 
As a church family, we are being invited into a life-changing experience through a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So let's unpack this over the next few minutes. Point one, we're gonna do it in reverse order this week. We are being invited into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The passage begins, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. You see, even if you don't care or you don't qualify, Jesus wants to get in your boat. First, even if you don't even care, he wants to get in your boat. The fishermen didn't care about Jesus in this moment. How do we know? Well, were they part of the crowd listening to his teaching at the water's edge? No. They had just fished all night. We know that they're professional fishermen. They would fish at night. They had a hard time fishing. We'll learn about later in our text. And so they're just mending their nets. They're cleaning up after a very disappointing work day or work night, okay? This reminds me of when my mom met my dad. Some of you have heard this story, but my parents, they're from Chicago. Anyone from that area here? Yes, we got a whole room over here, whole room full in this corner. All right, so listen, they're from Chicago. Freshman year of college, they're at a bus stop. They didn't know each other. My mom drops the books before she gets on the bus. My dad picks up the books. I think it was a strategy of hers to get his attention. They were going home from Northern Illinois University where they were both students back to Waukegan and Lake Forest. And uh, that bus ride, my mom talked, talked, talked. My dad, listen, listen, listen. They get home. My dad says to his parents, man, I met a beautiful girl that wouldn't stop talking. And uh, my mom says to her mom, I just met the man I'm gonna marry. And she didn't let up. She wanted that relationship with my dad. And guess what? Here I am. <laughs> you see, even if you don't care or don't qualify, Jesus wants to get in your boat. The fishermen did not qualify. Listen to this quote from theologian Daryl Bach. Jesus's gathering of disciples was not unusual in his time in Jewish setting. Many rabbis would gather students around them to teach Torah. But the kind of disciples Jesus gathers is unusual. They are not theological professionals, fishermen, tax collectors, former revolutionaries, and just plain old sinners make up this new community. Jesus launches them on a journey with God, a walk in which God begins to work in their lives. You see, no matter if you are a man or a woman, Black or white, rich or poor, young or old, married or single, native or foreigner, bad boy or good girl, Jesus wants to get in your boat today. 
We read at the end of the Bible, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Do you have a life-changing relationship with Jesus? Are you willing to open the door today, no matter what your circumstance, even if you're a student, even if you're in elementary school, even if you're a single person, divorced person, as he knocks and says, I want to change your life. I want to build a relationship with you here and now. All we need to do is say yes. Friends, we are being invited into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Point two, from that relationship, we are being invited into a life-changing experience with him. The passage continues. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. Imagine, if you will, the scene. It was a ridiculous request by Jesus. Some of you may be on your faith journey. You're waiting for all the stars to align, everything to be perfect before you say yes to Jesus. Guess what? Jesus doesn't wait for everything to be perfect in your timeline for his timeline to take effect. In fact, these fishermen, they would have fished all night. They are the pros, pros. What's Jesus's profession? He's a rabbi. Prior to being a rabbi, he was a carpenter. Not the best fishing guide. And look, I've been fishing with some people. I'm not gonna name names, Mike Banks or Aaron Pinnell or some others where we fish, we fish, we fish. We're not catching anything. We're moving spots. Some people might get a little agitated. I tried to keep the spirit alive in the boat. You can just imagine fishing all night. They've pulled an all-nighter trying to, trying to earn money for their families. They've come up empty-handed. Jesus gets in the boat initially just so it's like an amphitheater. His, his voice will be amplified from, the, from uh, the boat to the shore so everyone can hear him. And then instead of saying, Peter, let's go in, he goes, let's go out. It was a ridiculous request by, honestly, a carpenter that shouldn't have been making that request. But now picture the scene and picture the result. In those days, there would be co-ops or partnerships in life and in work. And often this is what we see with fishermen. 
in those days. There'd be one boat and there'd be another boat. Here, there's two different families that obviously have a business together. They would have a dragnet between the boats. It says in our passage that they caught so many fish and fish were coming into the boat that they started sinking. It was so astonishing, the result, that Peter drops to his knees, Simon Peter drops to his knees, and he says, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is the real deal. Rabbi, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. And that's where Jesus says, you know what? Don't be afraid, Bobby. Don't be afraid, Dee Dee. Don't be afraid, Allie. Follow me. Build your life with me. Another translation says, Simon Peter, he was awestruck. Have you ever been awestruck in your relationship with Jesus in a spiritual moment? And I look at this passage and I look at the failure of Peter, even that night and even in life, and I, I think this is a, some truth that we can take home. Even if we've tried and failed, Jesus wants us to trust and flourish. No matter what we're facing. And guess what? The results will create an awestruck moment for us. We've been circling up with some of the members of our church over the last month. We've been hearing about awestruck or defining moments here in our church. And there's this one woman who shared this story that I was a part of. Her mom this fall was passing away. Her mom was at Wellmore. She was the primary caretaker of her mom. And it's, it's really hard and confusing to say goodbye to loved ones, is it not? So I got a text and a call, hey, can you come over to Wellmore? We're told that the end is near for my mom. So I drive over to Wellmore, drop everything, go to the front door. Her husband, Gerald, meets me at the front. We go up together. We get into the room, right, Mercedes? We get into the room. There's some women from the women's retreat and her community group from our church and some guys in there and God had laid certain scriptures on my heart to share and pray over her mother. Scriptures such as Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Scriptures such as um, he will wipe away every tear, take away all the sorrows. As we read that passage of the, the coming of the end of days in Revelation. So the group of us, we laid hands on the mom. Now here's the thing, the mom was not fully present. She hadn't responded to anyone or anything all day. She hadn't even moved. We lay hands on her, we read scripture, we pray over her. And out of nowhere, as we said, amen, there was this noise in the room that came from the mother, which was, mmm. And we were awestruck by the presence of Jesus in this woman. I'd like to believe that it was an amen or hallelujah. And shortly thereafter, Jen's mom passed away. You know, as we encounter Jesus, if we've tried and failed, he wants us to continue to trust so we can flourish in our relationship, in our experiences with him. 
And it's not just for us, it's meant to go through us, this love, this life change. Jesus one-ups the moment here at the end of our passage when he says, from now on, you will fish for people. What does this mean? Literally, it means you will capture alive people, you will spare the lives of people. It was a crazy call, a crazy promise for these fishermen. They were overwhelmed. But what did they do? They brought their boats in, they dropped everything, and they followed Jesus. This fall and some of this winter, we've been preaching through the book of Acts. What happens when Jesus comes into our lives and we drop everything for him? Fast forward three plus years to Acts chapter two, and we read these words about Simon, that fisherman. Simon Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd, and those who accepted his message were baptized in about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And you see, like the fishermen, we are all being invited into a life-changing experience with Jesus, which is the multiplication of God's love in our families, in our neighborhoods, in Charleston and beyond. You see, as a church family, we're invited first into the life-changing relationship, and now we're being invited into a life-changing experience. Now let's get to this campaign, shall we? Our church, we are at a mission-critical moment. There is something actually preventing us from making the kind of impact the early church was called to make, the kind of impact we're being called to make. The building we're in right now started as an incredible blessing. We leased this space. We built out this space. But guess what? We've run out of space. We're running out of space every week. Let me give you some examples. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had standing room only in the 11 a.m. service. Did you know when we reach 75 to 85% capacity, new people don't feel welcome? They feel like it's a click. There's not a place for them or their family. That's a problem. We're butting up against that here at the 11 a.m. service. We're actually praying, God, when are you calling us to launch a third service? There's a lack of sacred space. A couple of weeks ago, I watched Pastor Cody trying to have a prayerful conversation in the back of the lobby, and there's little kiddos running around with their pigtails. Why? Because they love church and they have community here. They never want to leave here. They have friends here. But Cody, what, what was he doing in the back of the lobby under the tiki hut? Someone had checked the box, I want to give my life to Jesus, and he was trying to lead them to Christ in the lobby, next to the coffee, with the pigtails and all the noise. Why? We have nowhere else to do that in this space. That same Sunday, as I watched Cody trying to do that, the men in our church for the men's hike were trying to have a private meeting for, for setting everything up for this incredible hike in March. Guess where we had to meet? We had to try to hide around the corner and it's not really a, a private space so people can go out there and kind of interrupt. And some of the secret sauce of the men's hike is what you experience on the hike. And those men who are going, get ready for the time of your life. They've now moved from the deck 
to a, another kind of awkward private space on this property. It's basically the swamp. So if you're ever looking for your husband and he's on the leadership team, go look down in the swamp. That's where they're meeting. We have a problem. We don't have sacred gathering space. And here's the one that grips my heart. We're running out of space for kids. For those who don't have kids, I don't know if you know this, there are certain Sundays we have 15 to 20 babies in those room, in the room back there. We have 15 to 20 preschoolers. We're at max capacity. I've heard a mom come up, look in the room that's new and say, oh my goodness, I don't know if we can stay. If you're like me and you're like Jesus, <laughs> we, are, we need to be committed to moving forward and doing whatever it takes to reach families, our city, and our world with his love. Amen? And I just want, again, note how the fishermen responded. They had this life-changing relationship, life-changing experience with Jesus. What did they do? They put in their boats. They dropped their nets. They dropped everything, and they followed him. Their nets, that was their livelihood. That was their everything. They were saying, we surrender all. Amen. I got, I got charismatic kids in the back. That is why, as of today, we're officially launching what's being called the One Campaign. It's my joy to share a new video that many of the voices in this room have helped craft. So at this point, listen and see what God's doing. This is a story about a community a movement, and you. First, a community. In the year 2014, a group of friends and families began asking the question, what would it look like to launch a new gospel community to serve and reach an ever-changing Charleston for decades to come? Motivated by scriptures such as Psalm 37, verse three, which reads, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. In Jeremiah 29, verse 7, which reads, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. We began walking the streets of Daniel Island and beyond and praying for our neighbors and our city. We prayed for a new gospel community to rise up and not only receive God's grace, but to live it. To be culture makers, taking whatever influence we had, great or small, to help shape and serve the future of our city. And this all gave birth to the Daniel Island Fellowship. Over the past five years, we've seen God do amazing things through our community. Hope restored in broken hearts, forgiveness received in wayward souls, and grace extended in struggling homes. I really love that the spirit here is just open to anyone and everyone. There's a real receiving spirit here. It's an okay place to be you that you can be really real and really honest. I think people are um, hungry and desperate for a real relationship where they don't have to put up a front, but they can just be who they really are and have people come alongside me and love me and pray for me and check on me. It's just been, it's been huge. Specifically as the pastor of students, I see how our families are being shaped and how the word that is being preached, the, the difference that's being made is not just impacting 
uh, one person here, one person there, but it's impacting family units. And so we see that the students are living better lives because their parents are living better lives. And uh, so I see uh, the difference being made in our families. There's a commitment to the Word of God. There's a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and as King. There's a, a way in which people want to continue meeting together to continue seeking the glory of God and the glory of His kingdom. Beyond fostering a community of good news, we've also been able to act as a platform for good works, serving over 170 organizations through our space, the Holy City Collective, which brings us to now. Seeing all these stories of life change has made us realize that what we started was never meant to be limited just to Daniel Island. It's more than that. We are watching as God is bringing people of different backgrounds and locations into our community of faith. And this movement is not something we created, it's something we joined. Throughout the pages of scripture, we see God building towards a brand new community representing every nation, tribe, people, and language. In our midst, God is building one big family through one big move of His Spirit which is why we have decided to change our name to One Fellowship. We have always been believers. We have always prayed and worshiped, but we never were really a part of a community. And being at One Fellowship has brought us into a community that we love and we know loves us. So it's brought us all together daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, and not just on Sunday mornings. The one spiritually defining moment that I have had while I've been at One Fellowship was seeing my daughter, Jelena, be baptized. That means so much, and that, um, that's a great part of the church, to have that family. I'm gaining as I'm giving, so the more time that I spend here getting to know the people and getting to know the community, and uh, even in service, the more I feel like a complete whole person when I leave um, and I feel like I'm getting that community right back and I'm getting that purpose in my life. It's kind of the opposite of what you would think. By living generously and giving of yourself, you end up more full and getting back even more than you've given. I've always wanted to be generous, but truthfully at the heart of the matter for me has been fear. I've been afraid that if I'm generous that I'm going to lack in some way and I think that's where God's really working in my life. I choose to give to One Fellowship because God has given so much to me. I give my time, I give my talent, and I give my treasure. At the end of the day, it's all God's anyway. It's just a small portion of what I can do is to give to One Fellowship, but I think if we all have that same mentality and we all look towards God and do the things that He wants us to, the things that we can accomplish are going to be amazing. It's going to be miraculous, and I'm just excited to be here for it. Space is really important. To us, we are embodied creatures. We meet in physical spaces. To have a space that is dedicated to One Fellowship and, and for One Fellowship to be able to use to gather together, to form community, to build relationships, to equip others, to have a space where we can meet and, and study together and to learn together and to think together and to discuss together would be hugely beneficial to our ability to reach Charleston. So as we go into the building project, we are all going to have to find a new level of spiritual commitment, financial commitment, and trust in the Lord. And we are all excited about it, but at the same time, we need to take our game up to a different level. I think 
for us what it would look like to boldly trust God in that and to come on board and be part of that vision would be to give beyond our tithe. If you are someone looking for a love that stands the test of time, if you are a family looking to grow in a rooted gospel community, or if you are a person looking to play a role in a story much bigger than your own, join us. We are a community of friends and families from different backgrounds being built up together by God as one fellowship under one love for one mission, which is to know Christ and make him known to the one and the many in Charleston and beyond. Your life matters and this moment matters as we believe the best is yet to come. Together, let's build and be one fellowship. So what if, first of all, if you don't have a life-changing relationship with Jesus, I invite you to say yes today. These fishermen, they didn't know what to expect. They definitely didn't care or even qualify, but Jesus was pursuing them. Might he be pursuing you to say yes today? I promise you, you won't regret saying yes. Beyond just saying yes to the life-changing relationship, will you say yes to a life-changing experience with us in this moment, in this season, in the life of our church? Let me ask this question. If you've had one defining moment, just one, with Jesus in our church, what if God could multiply that times five? What if he could multiply that times 10? What if he can multiply that times 100 or times 1,000? You know what would happen? A gospel movement, a gospel revival in your home, in your neighborhoods, in our city, and in our world. And I believe God is calling us to follow Jesus and say yes together. We are at a unique point in our history. A watershed moment as you can read, where we get to do something few churches or people ever get to do, we get to engage in a major work of God. So what does this mean? What does this look like? After today's service, we are gonna have an extended informational gathering where we invite you to stay. We're gonna have architectural renderings over our future church home. But let me make something very clear it's not about the building. It's about the people of God. God entering in, life-changing relationship, life-changing experience, gospel movement in and through us and beyond us. As you leave today, we're gonna invite you to take a couple documents. First is a prospectus. This has the summary of the vision of our church moving forward and the call to action of our church whether you're young or old, we invite you into this moment with us. Beyond just the big document, we have these pledge cards where we're inviting you to pray over this over the next six weeks. And then the last Sunday of March, we invite you to go above and beyond your current giving trend or pattern for the next 24 months to make this vision become a reality. 
So next steps, first learn. Grab this material. And by the way, on our website, we now have a new page called Campaign. You can look at it, pray over it. It's the same information that you see here. It also has our video. Um, we invite you to learn more. Stay after the service today. We'll extend childcare. You can learn more. We invite you to pray. We read in scripture, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's laborers labor in vain. We need to seek God's face together. We each need to have a Simon Peter moment where we hear Jesus say, follow me. And last but not least, I invite you to commit to commit. Commit to commit to journeying with us and to follow Jesus with us in this movement, in this moment. As a church, in summary, we are being invited into a life-changing experience through a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Will you say yes? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment you've called us into that comes out of a relationship with you that changes everything. God, for those who are searching for you, would you meet them at this moment? Would you change their hearts and their lives? And God, would we commit to commit to following you, to dropping everything and saying yes, whatever that looks like, great or small, young or old, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.